This is Susanna Hills Podcast. We hope this message becomes a revelation in your heart and will encourage you to live a Christ-centered life. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Here's today's message. Chris, uh, coming up, friends, I want to just remind us again of, of why we do this. Why we do we have these moments? Uh, you know, all of us, if you needed more information, you know, it's right here. You don't have to go very far. You just need a Wi-Fi connection or a good data thing, and then you got some info. But what we need is an impartation. We need God to speak into our hearts and our lives, to speak into our church. And this is why we prioritize these times together. And, uh, and I want to just continue to, to commend us uh, and encourage us. Friends, this is important. Uh, in, the, in the New Testament, we see this happening all the time. That's why Paul wrote letters. And I'm amazed that when, when he writes those letters... That sometimes he, he calls people out by name. Yeah. You're doing well, and hey, you too, why are you fighting? Sort yourselves out, you know? And, and those letters were read in public <laughs> with everybody listening. And I was like, geez, man, Paul, just be a little bit easy on these guys. But actually, it's because he loved those churches, and God loves his church, and he wants to build his church in that way. And that's why we partner with gifts like Chris and um, Brad and, 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 and their wives and the churches that they're working with. And friends, I want to encourage us to open our hearts wide. Uh, just a little bit of logistics for tonight. We're going to have two sessions. Uh, Chris is going to share with us. We'll have a quick leg stretch and empty out the coffee urns and things that are still left over. And then come back for another, another input time. And uh, so I want to ask you to encourage and encourage you to open your hearts wide. I'm loving all the notebooks that are ready uh, for this. So Chris and Suzanne, thank you so much um, for being with us. Who doesn't know Chris? Never seen Chris before in your entire life. A couple of you here. So, um, so Chris and Mark met, what, 22 years ago 22 now? years ago. Yes, yeah. 22 years ago. And, um, and at the time, you know, we were all kind of doing our thing. Gee, eh? I'm old, bud. 22 <laughs> years ago. Who and here so, is under 22? <laughs> There's a couple over there, yeah. Well done for you. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, we, we met um, and just we're partnering together in some ways, doing some youth things together. And over the years, there's been a friendship, a, a true partnership that's developed over the years. And friends, a lot of what we're walking in has, begin, has be, been because of our partnership with this couple and with his family and with Foresight Church uh, out on the West Rand, you know. And God has exceeded us and moved us forward far, far further than what any, any of us could ever have hoped or, or dreamed. And it's because we, we partner together. And so Chris and Suzanne lead a beautiful team that leads uh, Foresight Church in the West Rand. And, um, and it's been a privilege for us to see what God's been doing there with them. And, uh, and really, uh, Chris, uh, those of you that will get to know him, um, and Suzanne, they're beautiful people. They're lovely, lovely people. Um, Potch is getting a little bit more of them this weekend. They'll be with them tomorrow and on Sunday. And so some of you, if you want to bunk, you're welcome to go to Potch if you want to. Just don't stay in bed. Okay, that's all I was saying. <laughs> but it's wonderful to have you guys here with us, Chris. And um, yeah, feel free. Um, you know, Mikasa, Sukasa. My house is your house. Thank you very much. God bless you, man. Thank you. Do you want to be up there? You, I think for, be up there for the video, uh, guys. I think for the video purpose and for the lights. Yeah, yeah. No, no problem. Perfect. 100%. Thank you. Thank you, Gareth. Thank you, Ainsley. Um, we've been walking with uh, City on a Hill Church since the beginning, in fact, since before the beginning. I met Mark at a baptism service. It was the first year we planted our church. And um, I was baptizing somebody who 
he was at school with who he thought would never get saved. So this guy phones Mark up and says, hey, I'm getting baptized. Mark says, it's not possible. So, so he says, I'll come to your baptism. So, so I'm in the pool, and I'm baptizing this oak. His name was Sam. And um, Mark's there, and I'm like, hey, but have you been baptized? He's like, no. I'm like, but you're a youth work in the Methodist church. Why haven't you been baptized? He says, wait, I'll get back to you. So <laughs> next time we bumped into each other, we were at a wedding of somebody that I'd, I'd done... Um, well, we worked in youth ministry together. This girl was in our youth group and all the rest. And, and she phoned me up. She said, we're getting married. Would you guys come? So Suzanne and I come through. The wedding's in Stillfontaine. And there at the same table, there's Mark. I'm like, hey, bud, how are you doing? And I was like, maybe a couple of weeks apart. And, and since then, we formed a friendship. And so um, we knew about you before you knew about you as City on the Hill, Right? <laughs> We were part of the dreaming process. So Mark would come through sometimes on a Monday morning, as he does. I, I don't know if you know, he's like a, a networker of notes and builds relationships. He's the most curious person I think I've ever met. Very curious. He always comes with 20 questions. And so he'd come pull through on a Monday morning, and then we'd sit and we'd talk about, because we just planted our church. We planted our church in 2000, and uh, 22 years now. And so that's, we met through the church, right? First baptism. There he is. So... Uh, he'd come through and, and um, we'd chat, you know, just chat and throw things around and all the rest and, uh, you know, saw the development. And then we were part of the, I think, prayer team before this church started. Kate used to come through and pray. And then when the church started, we'd bring a worship team through and like, prayer blasts and amazing things. And so all the time we've been involved in your lives and praying for you. And as a church force, our church has been praying for you. And we've, we've had moments of encounter where we've, you know, brought teams through or whatever. We did a, a couple of years ago, we did a Christmas celebration for you guys and things like that. It was pretty cool. And, um, but what a privilege to walk with you. Now there's a new stage, new phase, right? Because um, somebody once explained it like this. In a building process, you've got a bulldozer and you level ground, right? But the bulldozer can't keep bulldozing, he does his job. The bulldozer moves off-site, and then you get a crane. And so, in terms of personality and style and um, leadership gifting, there's two different kinds of leaders that you guys have had. You've had a bulldozer who has done his mission, he's fulfilled that, and Mark, honestly, I love him to bits, he needs a project, right? <laughs> All right, he needs a project. And he's like, project's done. What now, you know? And he took the church as far as he could go without bending stuff, right? And now, and now you've got a new phase of leadership under Gareth and Ainsley, and their style is different. There's more of a crane style, a more of a, um, a, a long-term building strategy. So Mark leveled the ground, and I, I fully believe that you guys, under the leadership of Gareth and Ainsley, will be raised into a house of God. Now, this isn't the house of God, right? This is the house of God. And I know that the leadership team, the eldership team, have built well into you guys over the years. You know, all the guys in the eldership team, amazing guys, um, love them to bits. But the truth is, it was necessary for a leadership change so that City on a Hill can become everything that City on a Hill 
has been destined to become in the future. And so I'm excited for your new phase of development. I'm excited for your new phase of growth. So I've known Gareth and Ainsley for many years as well. Okay, and so we've also spent some friendship time together and we've grown together. And hey, I love this couple. And um, there is an incredible wealth of wisdom and depth in their lives as well. And it's good to see, uh, guys, Clive, do you guys want to stand up for us? Let's give them a hand. That's, that's parents here. Good parenting. Well done. And I was just thinking, you know, there's a legacy. You are here, all of us that are here tonight are here on the prayers of somebody else. You are here because somebody heard God, a team of people heard God because it takes a team to plant a church. A team of people heard God, sought the face of the Holy Spirit and said, Lord, we are investing into the future. We're building now for the people that will be saved in Clarksville, the people that will be saved in Poch, the people will be saved in Muffet King, and the people that will be saved to the ends of the earth. Because I've traveled with some of you guys to the Philippines and to Botswana and to Zimbabwe, and <laughs> there's a wealth of time and experience and input with some of the amazing guys in this church. So I want to thank God for you. Before I get going, I'll start preaching just now, but I just really wanted to honor what God is doing in your midst. And I'd like you to see it and understand it because Gareth and Ainsley are not Mark and Marie. All right? They're not. They're not. But that is the next chapter of what God's got for this church. It's not the last chapter that God's got for this church. This is the next chapter that God's got for the church. And so it's a season. It's a season change. And so... You must expect God to do different things. You must expect God to do different things. Because he's moving by his spirit. And you need to perceive what God's doing. Like the sons of Issachar who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. Or what about the other 11 tribes? They were clueless. They were spectators, observers. But there was one tribe at a time under the rule of David who knew, they understood the times and knew what Israel should do. And so I want to say as a church, I want to pray over you that you would understand the times, understand the seasons, and be ready and prepared for the door that God's opening into your future. All right. There is no future in your past. We honor the past, but there's no future in your past. And God's moving you on into something spectacular. Okay. Don't you want to stand with me? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the legacy in this church through parents like Clive and Erica, thank you for Mark and Marie. Thank you for the eldership team. Father God, we, we give you glory and honor for every single person who's prayed into the foundations of this church, sweated, sacrificed, Lord, given up sleepless nights, hours and hours and hours on their knees, searching for your will for the future of this church. Thank you for the vision. Thank you for what they've seen in the spirit and what this church has become. We give you glory, Father, for the thousands that will be saved through this church into the future in Jesus' name. Father, we call them out, every single soul that still needs to be saved, Lord, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Right here where we are, in our province, 
in this nation and to the ends of the earth. May it be in Jesus' name. Lord, we call them out. We pray, Father, that we would see their faces and prophesy life over them. Call these dead bones to life. We say dead bones, dry bones, live in Jesus' name. Thank you for the future of this church. Be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a seat. Okay, so I've got 40 minutes. We can start counting in 10 minutes, Tom. And then I've got 40 minutes for the first session. Then we're going to have a break, and then we've got 40 minutes after that. So bear with me. Now, if you were young just now, I'll ask who's, who's like under the age of 22. If you're under the age of 22, will you stand? No, Baptist, you're not 22. You're 22 twice, right? Okay. Okay. All right, stand up. Stand up if you're under, under the age of 22, right? So now you were born after we planted our church, which means that we've been praying for you before you were born. Do you understand that? Because that's what churches do. The inheritance that we're walking in is paved by other people. Now, I want you, I just want to commend you guys. I just picked on 22 because it's a random number that we've been, you know. I could have said 25 because that's how, how long me and my gorgeous wife have been married. But I want to tell you this. You guys are wise to invest this time in your future. Now, I don't, want to say, I don't want to say to you, well done for being here tonight or for making it. I want to say, well done for investing in your future. Different thing to pitching up. You're pitching in, right? Well done for pitching in and investing in your future. And you know that through you and through this sacrifice that you kind of, because you could be somewhere else tonight, okay? But you decided, I want to invest my time in building a future. This act is doing something about the future of your children and your grandchildren. And you're building into future generations by you being here and saying, God, what do you have for me? Teach me, Holy Spirit. And because of that, the chances of your kids going off the rails, becoming drug addicts, becoming losers, becoming washouts is very, very small. Because you're already here because you're believing not only in your future, but your actions right now will determine the actions of future generations. Well done. Let's give these guys a hand. Well done. All right, have a seat. Thank you. Okay, spotlight's off you now. I want to share something tonight that um, I believe is going to rock your world. I believe this, if you get what the Word of God has for you tonight, if you understand this, um, you, you're going to enter, as a, even as a church, potentially into a new phase of what the Holy Spirit wants to unlock. Now, I believe there's some revelation in here. I'm going to throw out some nuggets, and I, I hope you catch maybe one, because I, I, I just know that one word from God has the power to change your life for eternity. One word from God. If you grab one word from God, it's creative. He created by His word, isn't it? He's spoken, it was. I want to say, tonight through the spoken word of God, there's a potential for you to come alive. And so I'm going to lead you into some of that. Now, there were three little kids, end of the year, in a nursery school. Any nursery school teachers here? Nursery school, school teachers? No, they're worn out from the week. Hello. There's school teachers in a line at the back, sitting after bunkers. I've seen you all there. after any class. Watch it. Come sit somewhere for you. I can't see. Okay, so anyway, there's three kids, three little nursery school kids, okay? And they, 
they, it's the end of the year, so they bring gifts for the teacher. So the first one, their parents, his parents own a candy store. So teacher grabs this box and she's like, is this chocolate? And the kid says, yes, teacher, how did you know? She says, I had a special feeling. Next one comes, and the dad owns a liquor store. And she's like, is this wine? Says, tastes it? It's leaking a bit. Kid says, no. Tastes it again. Says, is this beer? Kid says, no, ma'am. It's a puppy. So, tonight you came with an expectation, right? And I want to just apologize for the wrapping. There's a, there's a different gift inside the wrapping. The gift isn't determined by the wrapping. So I want you to look past this and look at what God wants to say to you. There's something deep in what God wants to say to you tonight. And I, I honestly, I stand humbled at what God has for his church. Do you know that the church of Jesus Christ is God's plan for the entire universe. Do you know there is no other plan for the salvation of this world? Do you know that no charity organization, no political system, no economic system, no president will ensure the eternity of this planet? Do you know that God's entire wisdom is enclosed and encapsulated in the church of Jesus Christ. So what you're doing here will resound for all eternity, not just your kids and your grandkids. For all eternity, you're building into the future of the entire universe. Because there will be a new heaven, there will be a new earth, and, and the saints of God will rule this earth. Incredible. We don't want to get into that now. You can ask Malcolm about that stuff. But the truth is, we are God's plan. There is no second plan. And in this plan, for God so loved the world that he gave his son to set up this plan. And Jesus, it, it is God's plan because Jesus said it is good for you to go, that I can be with you, that I can send the Holy Spirit to be in you and be with you. It's good for me to go. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was setting up the church of Jesus Christ, correct? All right. Jesus said, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you should know this one, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Correct. And so on the basis of that, Jesus launches his promise, and then he launches himself into heaven, and he goes up in glory, and it's wonderful. The disciples are, wow, that's great. What do we do now? And so they prayed. They didn't know what to do. And he said, go and wait in Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. So these guys went and they gathered together in the upper room. It was labeled the upper room. I don't know what it was, but I think it was the second story. Anyway, they were up in, the, in a room, 120 of them, and they were praying. And they were praying expectantly that Jesus would do something for them. And he did. And they were trusting God that he would give them power to be witnesses 
in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And you know, we preach this. But I want to show you a paradox here that I think can change the way you read the book of Acts. And that is when the Holy Spirit came down upon them and they were filled with power and they were filled with authority and 3,000 people got saved on one day. It was amazing. They all were speaking in tongues and the joy of the Lord was there. People thought they were drunk and they were mocking them. And then they, 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 there was a, a powerful encounter. And Peter, who was, had just denied Jesus, Peter is now bold and he stands up. He denied Jesus to a servant girl. Now he's standing up and he's proclaiming. He's saying, turn from your sins. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's for you and your children and all who are far off. And people just get saved. Amazing. The Holy Spirit made a timid man very, very, very bold. Something had happened. And I believe that something profound shifted inside of them. Did they go out to the ends of the earth? What did they do? Acts chapter 8 is the first time that they go out to the ends of the earth. Do you know what they did? On the basis of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, they fell in love with God's plan, which was the church. The first seven books are... Oh, the first seven chapters of the book of Acts. These guys committed themselves. Acts 2, chapter 42, are you making notes? They devoted themselves. Devoted themselves. That's a, a, a word that comes from the Hebrew concept. If something was devoted on an altar, it was korban. It was given over to the Lord. It went up in flames. In other words, they were on fire to the point of self-sacrifice. They devoted themselves to apostles' doctrine, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. And on the strength of that, thousands got saved daily. Why? Because these guys loved each other. What did Jesus say? He says, by this will all men know that you're my disciples, that you love one another. Okay, but hold on. Let's just pull up the handbrake. Are these the same guys that for the last three years were all misfits? Okay, you got, you got Levi, the tax collector, okay? And he's working for the Roman government because he's taking tax from his own people, giving it to the Roman government and putting some of it in his pocket because that's what the tax collectors did. So that he was hated, but not only hated by the people, he was hated by another guy on the team called Simon the Zealot. And the Zealots were a group of fanatical people. That's where the word Zealot comes from because of the zeal. And of the zealots was a, a sect of guys called the Sicarii, and they used to carry these long daggers in their cloaks, and they used to stick it between the, the, the Roman soldiers' chainmail, or what do you call it, the, the armor, and just pierce it. Now, nobody would know that this guy's dying here, because it goes up and through, and the guy is off in the crowd before anybody even notices that this soldier's dying. So you've got this guy, and you've got this guy, and they're looking at each other. They're hating each other. And you've got, you've got good Jews, and you've got Peter the fisherman from Galilee. And Galilee was Galilee of the Gentiles. Is that correct? The Decapolis, the ten cities. It was a through road for Gentiles. And they might not have been 
necessarily Gentiles of themselves, but the truth is the Galileans were generally a mixed breed of people. And you've got John and James who are like, I don't know about them, Jesus, but can we be at your left and your right-hand side in heaven? Can we be your favorites? Can you promote us? Ambitious us. Teacher's pet. Right? You've got these dynamics in this team. And every oak is for himself. I mean, here's Peter. Just before Jesus is betrayed by our dear friend Peter, Jesus says, you will betray me. Peter says, verbatim. He says, never me, but they will. <laughs> me, never, Jesus. Each one of these guys was for himself. It's me. It's my mission. It's me and Jesus. We're like this. The rest of the team, they're these guys. But me and Jesus, we're like this. You know what happened when the Holy Spirit came down upon these guys? They fell in love not only with their calling and their mission and their prophetic word and their, their ministry. They fell in love with each other. Do you know what produced the fruit, my friends? Not their ministries. Do you know how people got saved? They saw the example of the church. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Let's go get into some scripture tonight. We're going to obviously break God's word and just get, get something going here. And I want to tell you, before we export something that we are not in our good intentions, we need to export the right product because Jesus took seven chapters of the book of Acts to produce a model that could be replicated around the world. I, I, I have a bugbear and I have a pet peeve with guys who are out there on their own doing their own thing. I've got a problem with that because, number one, it's just not scriptural. You know, even though the church is the purpose of God, we'll get to that just now, it is God's ultimate plan for the universe. It's also, she is also an incredibly glorious bride that our Lord Jesus is coming back to fetch. He is passionately in love with his church. And when we do our own thing, hurt one another, undermine one another, gossip about one another, when we have these internal politics and strife and second guess one another's motives, and it grieves Jesus because this is his bride. He's not coming back for pieces of the bride, Oaks. He's not coming back for an elbow or a kidney or something. I want to tell you, he's coming back for a mature, not a baby girl. He's coming for a mature woman with authority who rules the kingdom well because she's going to be his queen ruling the universe. And that starts here. You want to read what that looks like? Look, write this down, Proverbs 31. That's what the church of Jesus Christ looks like. A woman who rules well and reigns with Christ. And let's look at Acts chapter 2, 42, I quoted it to you, but you need to get this with your own eyes. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. So tonight you're devoting yourself to this teaching. This is apostolic teaching. This is foundational teaching. This is ecclesiology. This is good theology for the foundation of your future. Everyone was filled with awe, 
and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. All the believers had were together, say together, and have everything in common. Say common. So that means together, doesn't it? Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, publicly. They broke bread in their homes. They got together publicly and in their homes. And ate together. Well, there's the word again, together. You're going to get this thing. It's together, together, together with glad and sincere heart. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. God added to their number daily those who were being saved. What were they doing? Were they preaching? Yeah, apostles, doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, bread. Yeah, they were, they, were, they were devoted to it. But you know what? The testimony of the together people out there are individuals. And they're looking in and they're saying, but I want that. I want to be accepted. I want to be loved. I want to be celebrated. I want to, I want to eat together. I want to be part of a family. The family of God demonstrates to the world the love of God. There is no other example. Okay, quick aside. For God so loved the world that he sent his son. He didn't send a father. He didn't come himself. He sent a son. Why? Because we could pattern on what we can see. So Jesus came to show us what it is to love the father. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the father except through me. Correct? It's to bring us in relationship to the father. We look at the son to see the Father. That's what Jesus says. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Why? Because I'm representing Him. You can't see Him, but I am the living embodiment of what it looks like to be connected to the Father. Pattern on me. Now, that's exactly the same. Jesus has gone away. He sends the Holy Spirit so that people can pattern on the church. That's what Jesus went. Because He could only be in the physical form in one place at one time. But when he sent his spirit, he multiplied himself into all of us. So with the, when the world looks at us and the way we interact together, they can see that Jesus is alive. And when we gossip about one another to the unsaved, they say, I don't, this is, a, this is not a credible gospel. We're showing them what it isn't like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. What it isn't like to belong. We show the world what it isn't like to pattern ourselves after Jesus. And they're saying, I'm not attracted to that. You see, the attractional quality, the evangelical quality of the early church wasn't evangelists was the love that they had for one another. They were in each other's homes. They broke bread together. They shared what they had. It was awesome. Don't you wish your church could be like that? Flip, man, I wish Foresight Church would be like that. We're becoming that. We need more Holy Spirit to knit us together. Jesus, let it be. So let's carry on reading. Okay. So what does it say? Acts chapter 5, verse 42. Look at this. Acts chapter 5. Go there again. Acts chapter 5. 
Sorry? 32. I'm thinking, I can't see what I was looking for. Here it is. No, it's not 32, isn't it 42? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 30, X, no, X5, 42. That's right. Day after day in the... Hey, you guys are preaching with me and you're getting it wrong. Okay. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. When did persecution break out? Acts chapter 8. How did persecution break out? Let's read. Acts chapter 8. Let's go there quickly. All right, now we're skipping over all seven chapters because we know what's in them. These guys fell in love with each other and stuff happened. And people got saved to the point that the Jewish authorities thought, we need to stop this because these guys are killing the Jewish religion. We're going to have no more priests. We're going to have no more temple. We're going to have no more income. These guys are threatening our religious establishment. Listen, it's religion that put Jesus on the cross, eh? And I just warn you about that. It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And if you guys want to be these Jewish wannabes, please, I don't know about Clarksdorp, but we're full of those in Krugersdorp. We export them all over the world. It's a, it's a plague. Because if you're a Jewish wannabe, snap out of it right now. It was the Jewish faith that put Jesus on the cross. So stop it. The word says there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. All are one in Christ. Jews don't have a, 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 a special place in heaven, okay? Gentiles don't have a special place in heaven. A Jew that isn't saved, isn't saved. A Gentile that isn't saved, isn't saved. There's only one Christian, a born-again son of God. And a Jew needs to be born again and abandon his faith and embrace Jesus Christ as the son of God to be saved. Jesus preached that to Jewish people. Okay? Even to Nicodemus. All right. Acts chapter 8, verse 3. But Saul, that was Paul, right, began to destroy the church. Going from, where did he find them? House to house. He dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Today, people are in prison. Let me tell you something. People are in prison. Christians are in prison today because they are not in house to house. The first place the devil attacks you is in the home. First thing the devil wants to destroy, to make Christianity a Sunday meeting or a building celebration or a, a, a formal religion, he attacks the home. There it is, black and white. Where did he go? He went to the houses. Could he have taken them in public? He could have taken them in public. He didn't. He attacked the homes. The life of a church is in the homes where people break bread and where they're normal Christian people. You know, I want to ask, whenever I go to church, I want to ask the kids of the pastors, is your dad on the pulpit like he is at home? They'll tell you the truth. You know, you can con a con, you can fool a fool, but you can't kid a kid. <laughs> and, and the truth is, you're going to get it straight from the horse's mouth. Because you see, the home is the life of the church of Jesus Christ. That's where it happens. And when people come into our homes and they experience, they want, I, I want everybody in our church at some stage to come through our home. I honestly do. It's important. When our church was small, it was possible. We, we used to have every, all the new people through our church. And definitely some of them didn't stay. But, but the truth is, they, they want, I want them to see how I treat my wife. I want to see them how I treat my kids. 
I want to see, I want them to see that we are just ordinary people and not somewhere above. I want them to see that Jesus is alive in a normal home, that we're normal people. I had this call during the week. I was driving, so Suzanne fielded it and she put it on, on speaker, so we're having this chat. And this lady says, aren't you ever a human being? Are you just like always kind of spiritual? That's what she was trying to say. I'm like, man, you need to talk to my kids. But, but the truth is, yeah, we, 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 are, we are spiritual beings in a physical manifestation. I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in my body, right? Okay? Self-control means my spirit controls my soul, my will, my mind, and my emotions. That's self-control. Self-discipline is my soul controls my body, tells my body what to do. Is that right? Self-discipline. Self-control is my spirit tells my soul what to do. Self-discipline is my soul tells my body what to do. Correct. Most people live from the outside in. So when Jesus comes, he changes that around. And he changes your mindset. And he changes the way you live. And he changes your personality. And he changes everything about you. I remember when I was a kid, before I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I was timid. I was fearful. I could not talk in front of people. I would have a glass of water. I would have to say my speech last because I, I was just terrified of people. When I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, God changed me, chalk and cheese, day and night, on the spot. And you know what? Where I used to flee from people, now I want to be with people because God loves people. And he gave his life for people. And people are precious. And people are God's currency. He traded the one for the many. You're valuable. You're precious. And you're so precious that God wants to share you with people around you. He wants you to be the, the carrier of the essence of the balm of Gilead, bring healing to people. I remember one night praying, I was young and stupid. I'm not young anymore. <laughs> and I was in bed, and I'm praying. I'm saying, Jesus, I want to be like the healing. No, I don't want to be the healing balm of Gilead. Lord, I want to be like the vessel that holds the healing balm of Gilead. And the Holy Spirit said to me, like vinegar on a wound is a man without wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. So I'm like, what's that? <laughs> so I got out of bed, go to the kitchen. In the middle of the night, I had this little cut on my thumb. Poured a teaspoon of vinegar, stuck my thumb in it, and took off like a rocket. You know, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, they come from the Holy Spirit. You see the sevenfold Spirit of God in Isaiah chapter 11. Have you ever read that? The seven manifestations of the Spirit. I want to say that that lines up with the seven churches, I think, in the book of Revelation. Seven types. And, you know, there's got to be a church for, for everybody. You know, in my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. Where's my Father's house? It's a house of prayer. It's not heaven. I think we misquote that. You know? Scripture expounds Scripture. My father's house is a house of prayer. In my father's house, this God's preparing a place for you. But that place for you, guys, needs to be filled with wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. The three manifestations of the Holy Spirit from Isaiah chapter 11. And when we work roughly with each other, we're like vinegar on a wound. Last week, I did a funeral of a lady who had been in our church many years ago. She's got Parkinson's. She passed away. But at the funeral, afterwards... I'm coming out there, and there's three ladies sitting at the table. So we've got, these, we've got a lovely facility. We've got tables and chairs and stuff that we pack out under the trees. And um, 
after church and after funerals and stuff, and people can care and they can hang out. It's lovely. And um, there's three ladies that say, come over here. Sit down. So now it's okay, great. So I sit down. Three of them at the table. And they say, tell him, tell him. So the one lady has got an issue with forgiveness. Because we live in a very violent area of the country. We live in Mildersdrift, and that's like, at one stage, it was called Murder's Drift because people just get killed there, you know? And um, we get a lot of break-ins at the church and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, so she's sitting there, and she says, I cannot forgive. I said, what happened? She said, a couple of months ago, three men came into my house. They shot my fiancé in front of me, and they tried to rape me and all the rest, and then they left. They didn't get that right. They left, and they... And then they came back, and they wanted to kill me, and they put their guns to my head because I was a witness, and so, and they all three fired, and the, the bullets didn't go off, or the guns didn't go off, and, and then they left. And while I'm sitting there, and I'm listening to this woman's heartache, a very unhelpful soul, filled with vinegar on the other side of the table, <laughs> is telling this woman what to do. And she's saying it's generation curses. And she's saying it's, you brought it on yourself because of stuff that your ancestors did. And I'm thinking, that might be very true, but just dial it down. Crazy woman. <laughs> and the other lady on the table, you see, they've all got backgrounds. And they're trying to solve Someone else's problem according to their experience. But not hearing the Holy Spirit. You know, we can be well-intentioned and very unhelpful if we don't depend on the Holy Spirit. The church of Jesus Christ needs to be led by the Holy Spirit. We need to be driven by the Holy Spirit. We need to be motivated by the Holy Spirit. You know what the Holy Spirit does? The Holy Spirit reminds us the words of Jesus. John chapter 17. Eh? John chapter, actually anyway, between 14 and then 16, 17, the Holy Spirit is given to show us what to do in any given moment. The Holy Spirit will give us the words to say. But when you're not tuned into the Holy Spirit and you're coming from this pot of your own hurt, so now, what's your story? Because now I'm deflecting of this lady because she's being pummeled by the other two. Oh, wait, I'm getting there. The other, I said, what is your what is your issue? Or what, where do you come from? She says, no, my, I watched my father kill my mother. And I had to testify in my father's defense in court because my mother was an evil woman. It's like, whoa. So now, to change the subject, I turn to the other one. And, and what's your background? No, she says, that generation curse thing you spoke about is real because my grandfather used to rape my mother, and, and my brother raped me, and I'm like, oh, good Lord, help us, Jesus. You know what the illustration is? I, I, I got a wake-up call, massively. Because the reality is, friends, we're working with broken, broken, broken people. Do you know what they had in common in our parting shots, and they, we're talking to each other, and I'm trying to just give them the love of Jesus Christ and hope. They're like, we don't trust people anymore. Now we work with dogs. 
the one woman is a cat lady and has got like something like 70 cats that she rescues because she can't connect with people because of the brokenness in her. And the other one rescues dogs from incredible situations. They're just like animal fanatics. And they say, because we don't love people. People are wicked, but animals are God's creation. And I'm thinking they have not met the church. They have not met the church. How do people meet Jesus? Through us. They have not encountered the love of God through people. They've now experienced the love of God through animals. And my heart was broken. I came home. I was like, I wanted to just climb in a bark and sleep for a week. I just, I just felt so heavy because of the situation of absolute despair that the world is in. Friends, you are the hope of the world. Jesus has no other plan. Let's go have some coffee. Father, massage your word into our hearts. May we never speak from our experiences, but only what we hear the Father say. Jesus, you said, I, I only do what I see the Father do, and I only speak what I hear the Father say. Help us, Holy Spirit, to hear you so clearly and become the church that you've destined us to be in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go have a leg stretch. See you in 10 minutes. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website or visit City on a Hill International on Instagram or Facebook for our updates, celebration times, or ways you can get involved. We are also streaming our message on Facebook Live, so make sure you join us or share the post. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. We'll see you soon.